From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yeah, willkommen, bienvenue, welcome. And my guest is Robert Fleischer, one of the most important UAP UFO researchers in Germany. We know each other for quite some time. Uh, the speciality of him is that he's really multilingual. He's a translator, is not the right word, right? For, for Spanish, for French, conference interpreter. Uh, so in Spanish, Italian. Um, and French, and uh, he also speaks English, as you will soon notice. <laughs> and uh, he has uh, been uh, the host or moderator at a lot of quite important conferences. He's in contact with people like Christopher Mellon, Lou Elizondo, Jacques Vallée. Uh, I mean, uh, Gary Nolan is also, I think, one of the most important. You have interviewed them all, um, George Knapp. Uh, so every name that you know that is uh, important. Um, he interviewed and uh, maybe you can tell us about the last conference that uh, you attended because you were the only German at this conference. <laughs> yeah, so the last conference I attended was uh, back uh, on November 17, 18th in, at Stanford University. That was the uh, inaugural um, event of the Sol Foundation, which is a think tank composed of academics, um, defense experts, uh, military um from all walks of 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 science of academia and they were discussing uh uaps now uh they were not discussing about whether or not ex it exists you know mm -hmm. but they were discussing how to how how could we how could we uh manage to um reveal the secret or how could the secret be revealed how could the technology be revealed that has been uh retrieved and uh, recovered and um, that has been studied for decades. And how could this all be uh, brought into the public without uh, pure chaos um, <laughs> being caused by all of this? Because, because that is a thing that they were, they have been really concerned about how to avoid catastrophic disclosure and how mm -hmm. to regain control over those old legacy programs in which uh, UAP are being studied and are being and they're trying to uh, to back engineer them and how far they've come with that we don't know but there's a number of uh, very high ranking whistleblowers that have stepped forward in the last couple of months and um if you look at what they said and if you hear and and look at what US Congress is doing um the 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 amendments that the Schumer amendments that um they tried to push through um, and and also other legal actions and also a recent briefing, then you can only come to the conclusion that there is something very, very secret and they are trying to get it to the light of day. Yeah, I think we have to start from scratch a little bit. So the question that we are going to discuss, the question if there are UAPs, UFOs, uh, we simply consider as done. Uh, the evidence has been out there for a long time. And now with the developments really after 2017, which has been the, the let's say, ice-breaking year in this, uh, in this issue, um, the things have moved incredibly fast. And really in the last year, it accelerated again. So um, I think we can start that um, UAPs, um, they exist. Meanwhile, it is acknowledged 
And uh, we have been dis discussing for quite some time. And I have to say, I di really didn't want to go out in the open with questions like, have there been uh, UFOs retrieved? Have there been crashed UFOs retrieved? Uh, it's also a question why if they come from far away, which is one of the main hypotheses, we will we'll go into that, which hypothesis exist, what they are. It's probably not from far away, but this was always one of the questions. If they come from uh, several, I don't know, 100 light years away, uh, why do they come here just to crash? <laughs> it is, it's in a way, uh, the question is, is quite good. It's not, uh, this is not how things really uh, should work, but it's more complicated than that. But leave it, we think, um, we don't go into the question if they exist because there have been, meanwhile, the question is also not really if there has been material retrieved because that's also out of the public. They're discussing that in the US Congress. The question is rather, how much do we know already? How many complete UAPs, UFOs, are in the possession in the United States? I mean, that sounds, for German ears, it sounds out of this world, because uh, that's also what people have to understand in the rest of the world. If you go to France, the situation regarding UAPs is completely different from Germany. In France, there's an official entity that is dealing with UAPs. In Germany, if you even use the word, it's still um it's let's say most people in the educated class and academia would immediately start to smile and uh, declare a nutcase yeah you uh, maybe should be a, in psychiatric treatment it's not something uh, that is, can be uttered we both of us we have uh, have been on the federal press conference which is as federal as the fed in the usa it's not it's a private run press conference but it's for all over Germany, and we had the question, do we have files in Germany on UA, UFOs, UAP? And you ask that, I have asked that on different years, and it's a, it's a good joke for the audience. They start to laugh bluntly, and look around. They were bluntly laughing at our faces, right? <laughs> yes, right. And yeah. uh, the point was always that I said, time is on our side. We just have to wait. But this is still, in Germany, it's like... Uh, think about it like uh, in the middle of the bush in, in Mali, something like that. They have hardly noticed that there is something. Um, uh, and uh, maybe in, in uh, Mali, the situation, communication situation with cell phones is much better now than <laughs> regarding UFOs in Germany. But uh, this is the, the funny part. But I wanted to start because we are in constant contact. We have a show together on this issue because um, I was a disbeliever, I have to say, in, uh, around the late 90s. I uh, contacted uh, one of my friends, an American cameraman, and he asked me what I think about UFOs. And I said, I think it's very difficult to prove something that to prove that something does not exist. That is a argument in philosophy. Uh, to prove something negative is nearly impossible. If I say I met uh, Mickey Mouse yesterday, how are you going to disprove it? Yeah. So um, this was my argument. And my friend, the cameraman who had been in the United States Air Force, he was an old man. I was a very young man. He was the oldest in the company. I was the youngest. And he got mad at me. And he said, you are just one of these arrogant ass, yeah, <laughs> uh, assholes, um, that I meet all the time. And I've been in a unit in the uh, United States Air Force, and we were supposed to film the UAPs. We have been in White Sands, and he told me a ton of stuff, and he was angry with me. He liked me, but I he just thought I was arrogant. And that gave me woo, woo, woo. And then I started to look into it. He was not an expert. He just knew what he had done, and he knew from the people. Uh, for example, he had a colleague who had been with uh, David Frost in Canada and looked at all these very strange circular 
planes that they uh, that they uh, constructed there or looking like a spade he'd seen them and he filmed them and so i came along and said it's all bullshit but now yesterday i mean things are progressing at a speed which is unbelievable really yesterday there was another uh what do you call a senate committee meeting something i don't know what the correct uh naming for that is yeah and, it was a briefing uh, it, it and the was, people came was, out wide-eyed i saw several of them <laughs> it must have been very interesting yeah visibly shaken so that was a secret meeting where members of the house oversight committee of the house of representatives um were informed by the inspector general of the intelligence community about his ongoing um in um, investigations concerning uaps and what uh whistleblower david grush had said about um this decade old crash retrieval program and effort concerted efforts by the US government to conceal all this and uh this uh in virtually unknown cold war about uh the recovery of of remnants of unknown technology and non-human intelligence mm. um and and of course since it was classified uh we don't know anything um about what was actually being said we only have some hints um that uh th that we learned from statements to the members of the press um that were given by the uh representatives um shortly after that meeting and and for example uh Robert Garcia said uh this is a serious topic and it deserves more attention it is a national security issue and everybody in that room received new information that will lead to other actions and i would like to see more information i think it was him who who really looked visibly shaken like he was he seemed mm. nervous when he was saying right. this right it seemed like i've learned something i would have never ever believed in my life you know well anna polina luna she didn't um seem to be quite that nervous uh she uh she's also representative she was, yeah both of them are she's representative also yeah. <clears throat> uh, she she had also been at that uh, um, classified briefing and she said that 16 out of 47 members of the house oversight committee were present during a classified briefing um and she said um that they now have sufficient proof to conduct their first field hearing and there will soon be new details announced which i think is an extraordinary um news because um uh the last time i mean we all heard about the uh, the David Grush meeting under oath where he actually um repeated the same things he had said earlier in in news interviews in, in TV interviews that there's this crash retrieval program and the US government trying to uh to hide it and there have and there have been retaliation actions um undertaken by the intelligence community against him and other whistleblowers and we know that um the uh, um the organizers of that last briefing uh, last hearing uh at congress which was uh anna paulina luna and tim burchett uh they were they said they had been stonewalled and that several witnesses that they had invited um they uh they they left the bandwagon shortly prior to that meet to that briefing because they had been intimidated not to participate so um uh and also we know that there's resistance from other groups of u.s congress uh for them to conduct uh more hearings and now so this is why i think this is very good news they're going to conduct a field hearing which means they will go on site and do it where it is you know they'll they'll go to that private contractor site or whatever wherever it is 
and talk to people. And this has the same official character as as a briefing, as as a hearing uh, in the building of the U.S. Uh, Congress. So that's really interesting. Um, the other thing, um, for example, Representative Jared Moskowitz said this is the first real briefing we've had. And he added that um, it's the first time that the intelligence uh, inspector general let members know where they land on the merits of Russia's claims. And um, and they said uh, everything's classified. But he says the info actually moved the needle. So and he said, based on what we heard, many of Russia's claims have merit. Um, and so um, I think the, the momentum is, is still becoming stronger and stronger. And we will see more legal actions, uh, more congressional uh, actions undertaken uh, with regard to David Grush's uh, statements about this crash retrieval program. And I, I think that the year 2024 will be quite uh, historic in that regard. Yes, um, I agree. Um, the point was also that there were uh, there was some talk. I mean, Grush was talking about criminal action against whistleblowers, uh, people that wanted to go forward or that there were criminal means not that uh, they had lawyers or judges or state attorney after them. It is crimes against the people who wanted to talk. So threatening, it goes further than that, really. But uh, that is also that's quite uh, um, it's disturbing because what we hear is uh, that um, sort of to make it clear once again what we have out in the public now is that we have valuable really high-ranking witnesses who say that there are materials from crashes and that we have complete devices I would call them devices and they are non-terrestrial they're not from us and that uh, some people have been out, for example, uh, the Admiral, um, what's his name? I forgot his name. Tim Gallo, who just came... former Navy Rear, Rear Admiral. Rear Admiral. He said that we are dealing with a foreign intelligence and we don't know uh, what they're up to and we are not able to understand what they're doing. Uh, so we just, he, we he are even, just. He even went as far as to state that uh, uh, people should be informed that the US government is in contact with non-human intelligence. And we don't know what yes. he actually meant by saying they are in contact with non-human intelligence as they may rate that may range from a radar contact from some object uh, far away to uh, near like uh, close encounter or something. You know? mm. So we don't really know. And also we have no idea what this non-human intelligence is is about, what it is like. Because um, if you listen carefully to what those whistleblowers say, they never say those are extraterrestrials. Those are yes. aliens, <clears throat> alien visitors coming from other planets, you know, which may also explain why this um, uh, this whole narrative about alien visitors and why would they travel here from from so many light years away and then uh, crash how? on our planet. Also how? Why this is... <laughs> Why, why this may not be the appropriate uh, narrative. You know, uh, we already know that the, the term UFO, unidentified flying object, has been rebranded and now is unidentified anomalous phenomena, which according to the definition in um, uh, by US Congress, uh, also includes ob un anomalous objects underwater and in Earth orbit and objects mm -hmm. that... Um, that very quickly uh, fly from Earth orbit into our atmosphere and into our waters and and back without changing their flight behavior or their maneuverability. 
Um, so, um, so we have to wonder what it is actually that they're talking about. And, and I guess the, from all that I've heard, the story may be much wilder than just extraterrestrials visiting us in their flying mm. saucers from other planets. Mm. Yeah, this is we get into this because uh, I think the explanation for a phenomenon which we are not able really to explain. We are just we are in the same situation as uh, a biologist in the 19th or 18th century uh, looking at plants. So making drawings of that saying somebody said uh, we've seen that there and uh, taking some samples, things like that. But not any further. And you always have to think there's one comparison. Let's imagine that. Isaac Newton would uh, somebody would put a, a TV remote uh, remote uh, 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 zapping device, so to speak, into his hand. What could he make of that? What could he understand? What he has, or a garage opener, something like that. He wouldn't understand a bit of what he's witnessing, and this is the situation that we are in. Let's get into that after the advertisements, which are um, have to be right now, and uh, let's get into the other hypothesis because I think uh, a lot of people, meanwhile, agree that there are more interesting or more valid hypotheses than extraterrestrials from outer space, which is the usual explanation up to now, which comes from our history of aviation. And we think about nuts and bolts, UFOs with some pilots in there and they crash and maybe there's um, uh, some of the pilots had died while during the crash. That is our what we can understand, but it seems to be quite different. But after the ads. Jeremy now on TNT Radio. Being South African, I'm, I know the situation and it's incredibly dire. Basically, our farmers, mostly white, have been under attack for years and years and years. And when I say attack, I mean that physically, don't I? Yes. Um, since the dawn of democracy in South Africa, since 1994, we had an average of uh, one farm attack every second day. Um, so it averaged around uh, 175 to 190 farm attacks every year and we had a farm murder on average every fifth day um, but over the last few months both of those numbers have picked up murders in other sectors of society are not accompanied by the same levels of brutality and torture as you will find in farm murders. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk This is the Dirk Pullman Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. My guest is Robert Fleischer, and it couldn't get any better than that regarding UAPs. They say he's always very modest and tries to play down, but I think that's what it is. He's an expert, really. 
for long years and he's from East Germany and these people are not uh, not proficient in boasting about themselves <laughs> always <laughs> and he's a good example for that but um, so uh, your book uh, it's a monumental book and I will read it although we have been as I said in contact for many many years and um, I've done a documentary in 2003. I will shortly, I will explain that because when I did that, I was uh, becoming an expert in Cold War intelligence operation. And I was really after submarines for a long time. And I spoke to the chief scientist of the US Navy, uh, John Pena Craven, a great guy with three doctors in law and in, uh, uh, in uh, nuclear, uh, nuclear engineering and in history. So very strange person, a very interesting person. And um, he confided to me that they have very many sightings, underwater sightings, what we would call UFO in the water. I, I just from, from the top of my head, I asked him. And then um, I had contact with a guy who was teaching the um, intelligence officers in France at their defense university. And uh, we were discussing back and forth about the, the submarines. But he said, I've seen your documentary in Arte, which is a German French TV channel about the UFOs. And uh, I congratulate for that. And it's a most important issue. Stay on that. I tell you as a uh, as an advisor and as a scientist in the intelligence services, this is most important. Please stay on it because we are not told the truth by the Americans. And that uh, leads me to Julie, uh, the former French uh, for, uh, the foreign intelligence head of the foreign intelligence in France, gave an extremely interesting interview, and again stating that uh, the basic thing is that there is something, and it is very difficult to say that we cannot do anything against it. The book that you will have uh, written is called, if I translate it, they are here and what shall we do? <laughs> so who's here? What, uh, who is here? Is it uh, uh, ET, somebody from outer space? Because this is getting into really into physics and uh, there's a, a discussion group in Germany um, where there are a lot of scientists and a lot of scientists in Germany really people from academia, from, from the universities, different situation in the USA where they're speaking now. In Germany, they're very careful. They don't want to be publicly connected to this issue because it can be the grinding hole to their academic career still. This is how weird the situation is. But why do you say they're here? What, what to do? Yeah, so million dollar question is who are they? Uh, <laughs> if who is the, is the appropriate word? So um so at first le let's have a look at the at the facts like what has been documented in many thousands of cases is objects appearing and disappearing at their will doing flight maneuvers which seem to be impossible uh according to our mass inertia law for example doing right angle turns at very high speeds um which would certainly be uh, fatal for any pilot sitting in that craft uh let alone the craft itself you know um, so, um, so how do they do this? Why do they, why do they not have to obey all laws of, of, of physics or natural laws? And, uh, and, and just, so, uh, just shortly, because I want to make it practical. We saw uh, that somebody made a calculation that was in the interview of Coldheart and, and uh, Nolan. Nolan is, has been nominated for the Nobel Prize. He's a really top scientist. And he said the uh, calculations were the energy that you would need for these movements were more than all nuclear power plants on planet Earth uh, devised in one day. So here you see that there is something it's interesting in terms of physics, but please go on. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. How how do you how do you accelerate and stop within fractions of a second? Uh, the energy that you would use to do that would, mm. would by far exceed the total nuclear output of the United States combined. Mm. So, um, yeah. So and and so there have been people thinking about um, what could this be, and also um, remember that this uh, seems to be. I mean, we're we're always talking especially like in uh in in the west we're talking about the the us american perspective on this right but this is a, a phenomenon to get that into seems that, to extend yeah. <laughs> uh throughout our history right um there's uh, many i mean uh, non-human intelligence is nothing new to people who have read the bible you know um and and um and so if you think about certain things like the marian apparitions in fatima in portugal in 1917 where uh, three shepherd uh, children were suddenly exposed to some being that that appeared there over an oak tree and told them to do certain stuff and that it would return every 13th of a month. And then it did. And and each time more and more people came who wanted to see it themselves. And at the last day, I think on October 13, 1917, there were 50,000 people who had gathered at that uh, specific place and they all witnessed something very strange. But if you look at it, um, and um, a colleague of mine is um, Francisco Morao Correa from Portugal. He is um, a part of an uh, ongoing um, scientists network that deals with the question, what is it? Who are they? And, and um, one of the uh, scientists in that uh, research network is uh, Professor Joaquin Fernandez, who has written an interesting book, uh, which is called Heavenly Lights. It deals with the Fatima apparitions um, in 1917, and he had access together with his uh, colleague Fina Darmada to a, uh, um, let's say, a secret archive of uh, the church where the original eyewitness testimony is stored. They had so they had access and they could compare, um, they could see what those eyewitnesses had described and like only days after they saw it, right? And so what they are describing there doesn't look doesn't sound at all like uh, the holy um, mary or something it sounds like uh, right. what you would nowadays uh, call a ufo sighting you know people saw flying flying discs they saw uh, light balls in the sky swirling around you have uh, you even have um uh, physical physiological interactions um you have like uh, the 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 clothing of those people dried when they came near the object or when the object came near to them it had rained um, before it, it, it was uh, raining before and they had it had rained clothing. before yeah. yeah had been raining before <laughs> uh people were were wet people's uh, uh clothing uh were, were wet and uh, then these things blew over them and those who were next to it um they were they were suddenly dry so so i mean there are uh, hypotheses that this could be due to microwave radiation but we don't know of course but what i want to say is um so it seems to be that this is a subject that, that this is a phenomenon that has been with mankind for quite some time and if you listen closely to what those whistleblowers say let's say david grush during that hearing in uh, july of 2023 um he, when he was asked where they come from he said he prefers he doesn't refer to it as extraterrestrial he calls it non-human intelligence and he said, maybe they come from a physical, from another physical dimension, as it is described in quantum mechanics. You could uh, imagine a 4D and a 5D world in which 
what we perceive as linear time is just a physical dimension in a higher dimensional realm um in in which you could go through what we perceive as a linear flow so there is the possibility that this is not necessarily extraterrestrial but this that this comes from a higher dimensional physical um space which may be located exactly here where we are now so what it, what it means is to try to put it in words and this is a an a hypothesis that has been discussed in various ways um similar ways by other scientists as well is that the uh, reality as we perceive it is not the whole reality as it is but that we live in a subset of reality which is composed of th only three dimensions and a linear time and this three-dimensional or four-dimensional space-time is just a just a part just a fraction of the totality of reality of which we only perceive three dimensions so that would mean that if some higher dimensional if there were something like a higher dimensional uh, realm and, and beings operating there if they would come into our three or into a four-dimensional space-time they could uh, possibly they could project something into into our world which we which we would see as a three-dimensional object just like when we project an image onto a wall which is then a two-dimensional projection right uh, because the wall only has two dimensions they could from their higher um from their higher space they could project something into our four-dimensional space-time and we would perceive three dimensions so that would that would make actual objects you see so the I think it's that... uh, two things for that <clears throat> I think a good explanation is uh, there are insects like lice uh, who are only two-dimensional and if you imagine you have a basketball and uh, lice would see a basketball it would first and the first when it comes down let's say into the field of view the first thing is just a point and then it would become a circle when it comes down the circle would become larger until it's on the equator so to speak it would become lesser again and then again a point and then it's gone so that would be a three-dimensional object object in a two-dimensional world and this is uh, something where uh we have a, a problem to grasp and i think jack valet was the guy if you ever watched the uh, third close encounters of the third kind so that's the guy <laughs> the french guy in the uh in the in the movie the, the the it's made after him he's one of the foremost i would say scientists in this in this field and um he he described a very interesting case where there was a family a mother and two two daughters driving in a car in france in the summertime and above them was a huge ufo and they looked left and right and the other people on the road didn't show any reactions so they were thinking are we just seeing that and the daughters in the on the back seat started to photograph they took their their cell phones and photographed this ufo and they all described it as circular basically like uh, what we know about flying saucer type ufo and when they took the photos the photos look different there's something on it but it's not what they've seen it's like a star with seven spokes like a wheel it looks completely different so this is a, one of the things that obviously it's possible to to uh, somehow play or deal i don't know with our perception and what we see is there are possible possibilities of of projection uh, we have this strange farm, the Skinwalker Ranch, which is known to the natives there since several hundred years as a place where weird things happen. So there's a, it's a, uh, it goes over into parapsychological things. There's a theory from a German physicist, uh, Bockertheim, who was a genius, but 
a genius who lived in a cellar because he had an explosion when he was working in the laboratory and he didn't uh, he, he everything was in his mind he was he was also not in part of the scientific uh, circular he didn't have publications so he didn't function the way science functioned this day but he was a genius and uh, his theory ex can explain some of these things where there's a transition but um, i think this is one of the weird things to understand that obviously it's uh it's very strange and the question that leads out do they uh, it has been there for a long time we have in history we have their descriptions of this uh, for a long time so what are they doing do uh, does this extraterrestrial which doesn't mean from outer space uh, uh, are they even interested in getting in contact do they want to be are they positive are they neutral are they negative uh, i mean completely negative not because they could have fried us uh two, for two thousand years and didn't do it and then it's in if we if we do some excavations let's say we're interested in iron ore we don't care if there are ants around the iron ore we just uh, uh we just move them aside and uh, the idea that they would like to communicate is us. Also, you don't communicate with your chicken, right? <laughs> you just yes, but still, you um, want your chicken. You you want the chicken in the barn to behave like you. Uh, that is beneficial what? for you, right? So explain. Um, so so you, uh, explain that, uh, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, so the the question. So if there is communication going on between you, mankind, and them. That is different from some kind of interaction between them and it and, and mankind, right? So um, what you see in witnesses, and I talked to um, among the scientists who told me this, was Dr. Colin Kelleher, the former uh, OSEP program manager. OSEP was the uh, uh, Advanced Aerial Weapons Systems Application Program that was commissioned by uh, Senators Harry Reid, uh, Daniel Inouye, and and another one for $22 million to, to conduct uh, UFO research in 2008. From 2008 to 2010, it was running. Um, it was carried out by a private contractor, um, Bob Bigelow, at his Bass uh, Corporation. And uh, and Dr. Colin Keller was the, uh, the program manager working for Bass, carrying out this program for the DIA. And uh, and he told me uh, they had um, they had a rapid response team. They were to, whenever there was something, they went there. They were also informed by MUFON if if there was a new case uh, which seemed interesting to them. So they went there. And he said that when they looked at uh, UFO witnesses, uh, people who had experienced something really strange, you know, they may have even had uh, physiological reactions, uh, sunburns, radiation. Uh, wounds, you know, stuff like that. But the longer, the longer you 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 keep looking at them, the longer you follow their lives, you, you will see that there are also a lot of psychological effects taking place. So, so the uh, so UFO sightings do not only cause physical damage or physical uh, physiological reactions on your body, but they may also cause uh, psychological a deep prof profound psychological um changes in in your mind so what uh, what happens very often is that people who have seen this uh, or whatever they've seen they they start to develop a deep interest in the nature of reality and in the role they play in the cosmos and it, it, you know they start to question their reality um 
And so, um, uh, and so this is the reason why uh, scientists like him, but also Jacques Vallée, who is, uh, as you as you just mentioned, uh, I would say one of the most influential uh, UFO mm. re or UAP researchers worldwide. Um, why they why they call it? Um, it looks why they say it looks like a socio sociological experiment or something. It looks like um, uh, Jacques Vallée even refers to it as a potential meta-human control system. In which um which is there you know which tries to to maintain the temperature to, which tries to maintain the experiment within certain parameters um not too cold not too hot you know um maybe something like that but it may also be there to achieve an, a cultural profound cultural change and if you look at the world what we've been gone going through in the last couple of decades you know from complete denial of of the mere potential of extraterrestrial beings coming to earth towards the uh US government in possession of crashed and, ret and uh, retrieved um uh, UFO debris which they are trying to back engineer and multidimensionality and so and this has all happened within a couple of decades only so hmm. so what if this and this is an this is an hypothesis this is not that I'm that that I know is 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 a fact, you know. But um, but what if this is something um, that has been on Earth, um, looking at us, uh, trying to nudge us to you know to give some hints, some clues, you know, to see where to see how it could, uh, let's say, exert a certain beneficial influence on us, so that the experiment moves into the right direction, you know, something like that. <laughs> it could be, you know. Could not be, uh, you know. I I always compare ourselves as uh, let let I would say we are nothing but goldfish in a fishbowl. You know, <laughs> we look at when we try to discern what is out there outside the fishbowl. We look at with it, we push our noses against the the, the glass mm -hmm. on from the inside, and we see something very fuzzy outside, like as if we look into the stars, into the night sky. You know, we just we we see nothing but some lights. What is it? You know. Mm -hmm. And then um, whenever someone puts their, their fingers in that goldfish uh, bowl and puts some food or whatever, rearranges a plastic tree that is in there, mm -hmm. you know, we would go, oh, this is a message from God or these are aliens, <laughs> you know, what if, <laughs> what if we are, we are just, what if we are nothing but fish in a goldfish bowl that stands on, on the table of some multidimensional being in someone's uh, living room, you know? So it's my a fish... kind of matrix uh, scenario that you have, and there's a good uh, there's a good joke where uh, it's a cartoon, and there are two fish in a goldfish bowl, and one of the fishes is typing on a computer, and the other one says, "Facebook, Facebook, Facebook." You probably never see the real reality, and points outwards, <laughs> and that's yeah. uh, that's what you just described. That's our situation. We don't. Uh, it could be that it's that. Uh, I'd like to get because this is already very, let's say, advanced in in the discussion. One thing I want the international audience to understand is that it's not an American phenomenon. It's all over the world. And I think some of uh, it's very interesting how, for example, the military reacts in South America. There's much more openness than in the United States. France has an official office uh, that, that you can um, contact if you see something like that. France is very much very open, very much open. And they they don't like the American style to deal with this. Uh, this is what I heard uh, from really people from from the military that they didn't trust the Americans 
further than 20 centimeters to throw a big stone it is uh they thought that uh, they they know more they don't tell and uh it uh, there was the cometa report which was from very high-ranking general people from the intelligence services in france and they said there is something and we need to know more about it but the, this need to know more is also a problem but maybe you can tell us Uber Tuba, I think, is a good example, but you tell me the best example that is in your mind, uh, where uh, somewhere else in the world, and then it's also then the Americans appear. If there is something important, then you can be sure that uh, some people, some people, men in black or with green uniforms, will contact you. Well, there are countless examples of very interesting cases. Let's say the official UFO, official Brazilian UFO night in 1986, when. Uh, I think a dozen of huge craft appeared over the uh, uh, big cities, uh, Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, Goiás, um, and were seen by thousands of people. And that caused the Brazilian Air Force to uh, to scramble fighter jets and to try to intercept them. And they found themselves being intercepted by those objects. So that meant... <laughs> Um, so that may that the uh, uh, highest ranking uh, militaries in in Brazil concluded that there must have been some sort of intelligence behind those objects. Um, and they promised um, a complete investigation and, pub and publishing uh, the results of their investigation. And we are still waiting for the results to this day. That was only a little inter interim report um, uh, published. So so there's many cases, but let me let me give you the big picture. So there's at least not 29 countries that have uh, where the military or the intelligence communities have dealt with UAPs, and there are um, official UFO of uh, UFO investigation authorities in nine countries, which is Argentina, Chile, China, France, Canada, Peru, Russia, Uruguay, and now the United States again. Um, it's only in, in Germany, by the way, that, uh, the German military is very alone with its, with its, um, public official statement that they don't deal with UFOs because in 29 other countries, they're dealing with UFOs. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the German foreign, foreign intelligence service BND has also, um, a, a collection of UFO files, which are in the mm. German national archives. So, why wouldn't the German military deal with UFOs? It's an interesting question. So, uh, so those are just the um, the uh, the official projects that we know of. And but when we they also samples where they had to uh, send over samples from from one incident uh, where the uh, Brazilians had material and it was handed over. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, there are a number of cases. Uh, where, for example, the uh, the Ubatuba case in in Brazil, uh, that was um, <clears throat> those were crash debris that were found or that was sent anonymously to some um, journalist, and he then sent it to uh, this journalist, then sent it to uh, scientists in the United States and elsewhere. So it was not this was not an official. Uh, mm uh investigation uh, but what is interesting you know you had recently these uh these weird face peeler stories in peru um where um indigenous people living deep in the rainforest described uh, seeing weird creatures on platform flying platforms with a metal suit on on and stuff and 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 they tried and they attacked people now the story of beings attacking people in the rainforest 
that is nothing new because we know about the um uh, from the 1970s about the operation saucer uh, at the island of Colares where actually same thing happened it was not people on flying platforms it was actual craft sending light beams uh, and causing injuries in in the indigenous uh, population and that made the Brazilian military to to send a, a task force to try to uh to find an answer to this phenomenon so it's nothing I have to new. interrupt you here we have to get back yes. to another round of advertisement and we get back to this because also in Europe we have instances and I don't know time is running out very fast always but uh, at uh I think we we should talk about why this topic is uh, so difficult to publish. Uh, is it really, you said, chaotic or catastrophic disclosure? I think this should be a topic of our last quarter of an hour. Uh, first, the ads. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, Hanoi Jane is at it again. My buddy Mark Morano mailed me this because he knows that I try to keep my blood pressure low. And he believes I need a little extra stress in my life, so he mails me stuff like this, and naturally I share it with you. These are some quotes from an article that Jane Fonda is involved in about the planet can't have healthy people if it's sick. So now the planet is actually some kind of breathing organism, I guess. Bad enough they try to make it a god, but at least I thought, well, it's probably one of those gods, you know, false idols you make out of gold or silver or whatever. But no, 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 no. It's a living, breathing system. So anyway, our healthcare system is responsible for 9% of the country's greenhouse gas emissions because the system's reliance on fossil fuels to run its facilities and equipment. Now let's break this down. Men, human beings have put in 5% of the total amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, which is 0.042%. And so the healthcare system's responsible for 9% of 5% times 0.042%. So what we've got to do is shut down the healthcare system because of that 9%, and that's only the United States, and then everything will be fine. Climate smart healthcare is preventive medicine on a grand scale. Think about it. We can't have healthy people on a sick planet. You know something? If you want to look at sickness and define sickness, you just heard some quotes from it. This is TNT Club. This is unbelievable. TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. My character Shazam knows all about growing up in a family full of teenage superheroes. They're bold. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Adventurous. Shazam! There's never a dull moment. And no matter what happens, they'll always have your back. All they need is a place to grow and be themselves. And the best part is, you don't have to be a superhero to adopt a teen. Learn more about adopting a teen from foster care. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Dirk Pullman, Dirk Pullman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. With my guest, Robert Fleischer, whose book, uh, They Are Here, What Can We Do or What Should We Do? It's a 500-page book, a seminal work, which will, I hope, plow through germany in terms of knowledge but let's get back to back to peru where we've been <laughs> where i stopped you talking 
So you remember we we talked about this in our show as first contact that we do together with uh, uh, about uh, this most important subject that comes that's coming towards mankind. And we were reporting about those those strange reports about face peeling creatures on flying platforms, uh, mm -hmm. injuring people and hunting people in the rainforest in Peru. And um, what was so interesting to see was that the um, uh, the uh, Congress of Peru had actually decided about a legal uh, a law project, a law proposed by the Peruvian government to let in uh, U.S. special forces um, to do some uh, exercises in the rainforest. And it turned out that they were stationed precisely at the same location where those things were happening. Mm -hmm. And not only them, mm -hmm. but that the, the law also um, proposed to let Japanese special forces in. So... And the Peruvian Congress, if I remember that correctly, they decided about this within one day. And then the very next day, U.S. Special Forces, special troops <laughs> came in and they were stationed at precisely the same locations where these things uh, were happening. So so the U.S., I think, is very interested in what's going on and what has been going on abroad as well. Uh, we know we know that uh, from the um, Brazilian uh, Operation Saucer that I just mentioned that uh, when they found out, when they had concluded that there is some non-human intelligence behind the phenomenon, that um, the Brazilian project was was cancelled, was was stopped, and then uh, uh, started all over again under a new name and under American command, U.S. American command. So. Um, so I think the United States, they know quite a lot. And um, and, it, and I think it's very important uh, to note that this is also about technology. Uh, from a couple of years ago, um, we know that uh, the uh, To the Stars Academy by Tom DeLong and, and, and others um, made a corporate research agreement um, uh, with uh, the United States Army Air Material, uh, not Air Material, Ground Vehicles Command or something, mm -hmm. um, which which was about uh, an, an analyzing alleged UFO crash debris in order to to gain some potential uh, development, some potential uh, technological advantage from it. And they were uh, specifically talking about a certain piece of uh, alleged UFO crash material, uh, which is has become known in the UFO community as arts part because it was sent anonymously to uh, uh, radio host Art Bell from Coast to Coast AM. And it was a part that uh, consisted of several layers of bismuth and magnesium, like micrometers, mm. very, very small. They had been investigating this piece, and um, and it was only after years of analyzing this that they found out that it actually has a function. They didn't know how it how it they had how this had been manufactured because it is very difficult mm -hmm. to uh, to connect the bismuth and the magnesium layers, and it would also be very expensive. So why would you do this? Right. And then mm -hmm. they found out it has a wave guide function, uh, which is a new. A new kind of technology that um, they still don't know what it's all about, but there's rumors that this is about uh, reducing gravity and make something float in the air. Hmm. But of course, it's all you know. Um, the results of this corporate, <clears throat> of this cooperation between the two, the Stars Academy and U.S. Ar um, Army, uh, they have never become, they have never been made public. So we don't know what they have actually found out. 
Mm. We've only five minutes left. I think we should get into this question of catastrophic disclosure, what that means. So just imagine that um, a UFO in a war zone uh, shows up and, and is uh, misinterpreted by someone as an enemy drone. You know, they shoot at it. Uh, they would Maybe the Chinese would, would start a war with the United States because they think this is an American spy drone. So that could be that could lead to some catastrophic disclosure. It could also mean that, uh, let's say, some country um, puts on the market its its own uh, technology derived from recovered alien tech, which has uh, huge advantages over ordinary technology. So that would make uh, on the long term th this could lead to the U.S. dollar being superfluous because uh, you wouldn't need uh, oil anymore to because they have because maybe they have put on the market some free energy device which which can create lots of energy without the need to uh for fossil fuels so um the, the repercussions in any case uh could could be potentially catastrophic that is what has been talked about at the soul foundation um and um and and so we need an, a big international we need to get rid of this stigma that is surrounding the subject we need to 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 have an international discussion um and uh, and also we have to talk about the potential legal consequences um and and how to prepare this because there's not any single law in the world that you look can you can look into to find out how should you behave in the event of contact with this non-human intelligence um but of course it all depends on what is what it is that will be disclosed um there are some hints that this is not only about crashed and recovered ufo flying saucers but that there may be a huge deep state structure behind all this that has been dealing with the whole subject for quite some time and if this is mm. the case then that would also explain this interesting um bipartisan support by both democrats and republicans in u.s congress when it comes to revealing uh the the secret of uh, those legacy programs because if that's true that if that is true that mean it means that there is some secret um group within the official structures that do not report to anyone and that potentially possess highly advanced technology and could do things that the government couldn't do and couldn't even imagine they could do so that would be a huge problem yes um and it's also interesting that even now in the congress it was talk it's kind of a cold war a uap cold war you mentioned the chinese have officially uh, are investigating that the Russians are officially investigating that so it's not even clear um, who will be the first to disclose and it's not a question if the Americans will disclose it to their public they have to take into account that others could do the same it is something that uh, will go into the fabric of the our international community and I think in a way we are not well suited to do this uh, the situation that we're in right now internationally is is dire in terms of diplomatic or how do you one minute to go so uh, if you want to have the last word on that Robert yeah I think what is really what has been very valuable is the contribution of the Seoul Foundation because that is a, that is really important to legitimize the subject to make to make sure that everyone understands this this is a serious subject that can be debated on a very high level where all of the stakeholders come together and discuss this. I mean, people from the military industrial complex, from intelligence, from military, but also scientists, social scientists, uh, re religious uh, studies, uh, people like that. And I think that is really important uh, what they've done and what they will keep. I hope they will keep on doing what they do.
uh, because we cannot let this to the government, uh, the government to no. act alone on this. We need, you know, we, we need civil engagement, uh, civilian engagement, and that is precisely this, the thing we should do, try to get in touch with uh, scientists and so I, I highly commend what the Soul Foundation is doing on this. Mm. So we hope for the Americans to be really American and not this type of American that they've been in the last 30 years. Thank you very much Robert, always a pleasure and hope to see you soon again also here. Take care, thanks. Thank you.